Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. What's going on, people? Welcome to Paint Points. As usual, I'm your host, Jake Painting. This podcast is proudly brought to you by the SB Nation Podcast Network and the Tainer Supers family. I know I've been missing action for a few weeks. Life has been kicking my ass, but we are back. Um, going to frame this one as, as a quarterly review of the season. There are 23 games through the season as we sit here right now, coming off the back of back-to-back losses to the Washington Wizards and the Brooklyn Nets. But overall, it's been a really positive season so far, and I am here with the positive vibe master himself, editor-in-chief at Canis Hoopers, Carl Tige. What's going on, dude? What's up, dude? Uh, big morning for you. Um, I know. It is 4 a.m. here while we record. <laughs> I was going to say, it's, it's like 9 in the morning on the West Coast. It's I have to set that uh, – I have a special clock in my phone just for you. So I can like when you text me or message me, I'm like, what time is it for that guy? Um, Liverpool just beat the other Wolves. So I think Jake doesn't have a shirt on right now. It was a pretty crazy soccer game. Um, but no, yeah, it's been – it's been. we haven't talked in a couple of weeks. And I think the last time we did a pod was right around that losing streak, which was kind of gave everyone fits and kind of was like, oh, shit, same old Wolves. Here we go again. What are we going to talk about come January? But um, they've rebounded nicely, literally. Like they can, they grab rebounds. It's kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, and and the rest. It's it's been strange and confusing, and I don't know what to do with my hands when I see the Timberwolves <laughs> kind of being semi relevant. Um, even with this little downside that they're on right now, I think they're they're definitely in a, in a great position in the Western Conference. Um. I think what we're going to do today is just throw a few things out there. Uh, the first one is, what has surprised you the most in, in this season, be it good, bad, um, you know, the the start of the season where it was kind of ugly, or the this later part of the current season where it's been pretty positive vibes, kind of kind of throwing uh, flowing through the team. So, so give me your surprising take of the season. Well. I think the the easiest answer is defense, right? Like you've written mm-hmm. about it extensively. We've written about it at Canis. I know Dane and Britain. It's been like the topic. Um, so it's, I mean, that's kind of my answer as well. But I think just more than anything, it's just I've used the word grit like five times in tweets the last couple of weeks. But I think just seeing a team that like, and you're, you're my stats guy. I mean, you know, you see the game better than I do. But just like, so tell me if I'm wrong. But offensively, they're not that awesome right now like they're just no one's blowing it away like no one we don't have Malik Beasley hitting you know four threes a night for an extended period of time like D'Lo's shot has been I think Jim Pete said on the broadcast last night he's shooting a career low um but this team just stays in games because they're mentally tough like they play 
their representation on the court of who Chris Finch is, never too high, never too low. And they just grind. Like, they're just gritty. Uh, After the game last night against the Brooklyn Nets, um, even Kevin Durant had and James Harden both complimented their def- uh, the Wolves' defense and was like, they just wanted to muck it up. And that's awesome. <laughs> like, I would much rather think of all those years where, like, okay, the Wolves are going to have to score 140 and just out sprint their opponent. That's not and that really was meant f- to be this year. Yeah. It was meant to be this year. That's what we all expected. But that's not, I don't know if, I don't know about you, but like, from a basketball nerd, like, that's not actually that fun. Because if, it, if you don't have it one night, that's how you get blown out of the building. Like, if you can't hit 140, but your opponent can, that's how you see a 135-102 loss. And the Wolves, again, were 23 games in the season. Offensively, they're just not that dynamic. I mean, they're they're inching their way up there or whatever, but the defense has just been awesome. They're just so physical, even though they are one of the shorter rosters in the league, one of the thinner rosters in the league. Um, and you've seen it from guys like D'Angelo Russell, even, who's been a little more physical on ball and just putting himself on the floor a little bit for more loose balls. And then it all kind of starts obviously at the top with, with, I think your, have you adopted him yet? Jared Vanderbilt, your, your yeah, son. I so if I could, I would. So I don't know who his agent is, but I mean that, that was really one of the biggest reflection points for me is just looking back at like how no one in the league wanted that guy. And obviously the sample size on him was pretty small, but for the wolves to, you know, get what they, get Vando, Vando for what they got him at. I mean, just a moment of silence for Gerson Rosas, wherever <laughs> wherever he is right now humping things, like shout out to him because that dude really left them a present on his way out. So yeah, it's, it's, it's the defense, but to me it's more of just like not the X's and O's, not the shift or you know, the switches, not the zone. It's just like the mental toughness of this team because it's pretty much the same. You know, it's been kind of ironic, right? It, they played uh, the Nets last night and the Wizards the night before both of those teams have assistant coaches that were supposed to be the team, the Wolves' defensive coordinator, right? Blair for the mm-hmm. Wizards on Wednesday, and then Vander or uh, uh, Vanderpool last night against the Nets. They got rid of both those guys, and they haven't really missed a beat. They don't have a bunch of new players. They're just kind of like buying into Chris Finch's defensive schemes more, and it's been it's been awesome. So that was a big, long winded, coffee inspired talk about defense. But I just think this team, for better or worse, just fucking cares <laughs> and they give a yeah. shit and they're not yeah. going to let you push them around even though they don't have a bunch of huge guys um and it was really noticeable in the philly game because the philly game was the closest thing i've seen to like a game like a tim donahue scandal i mean you heard about the officiating in the philly wolves game on like Rosillo's pod and like bill simmons pot and it's just like wow Old Wolves would have gotten their asses kicked in that game by 30, and they just grinded it out. They didn't complain about the officiating too much. Um, and that's that was the that was the biggest example of new wolves to me. I took like nine minutes there to just say I think the team is tough. There you go. <laughs> no, but you're right. Like they are tough. And I I just dig I dig how it all just like mashes up and combines whether where it's not Simply guys trying more. It's not simply Chris Finch being, you know, a better defensive coach and and deploying a better defensive scheme. It's not just Pat Beverly being like this this great shepherd of defensive identities. Uh, it's all of it. It's not Jared Vanderbilt being the best defender that's ever walked planet Earth. Um, it's everyone and everything is is flowing together, and from that you see this 
super surprising defense that now doesn't seem so surprising because all these pieces are kind of in your face now, if that makes sense. Like, and, and it's like, well, why didn't we see this? Why didn't we see that Jared Vanderbilt... Because the dirty little secret is he was this good defensively last season or maybe slightly worse, but he was really good defensively last season. He just played on a shitty team and all the numbers were similar, all the on and off numbers, all the, you know, catch-all metrics, which which don't fully encompass what defense is. But when you play on a team where everyone starts to buy into that Jared Vanderbilt mentality and by extension, I guess, the, the Patrick Beverly mentality, this shit stands out so much, so much more. And I just love that Finch has come in, uh, finally, you know, put the, the drop scheme in the trash. You've got Cat is playing better defensively, but simply because he doesn't have to do as much, he can just do the bare minimum kind of, and, and not in a bad way, but just that's how the scheme is, just get him up at the level and then get back to the to the man when you have a chance. Um, I just love it, man. I love the way the defense is. That That's obviously when you're talking about surprises, that's the number one surprise well, for the season because it's just, it's it's still like pinch myself surreal because every night you think, all right, like this is the game. Even against the Wizards, they, they kind of let go of the rope and you think this is the game that it, it all turns to shit. And then they come back the next night against the Brooklyn Nets, juggernaut Brooklyn Nets, who even sans Kyrie Irving can easily drop 140 on a team that, that isn't there to play defense hard. And like you said, the, the result is that they lost, unfortunately, but Kevin Durant and... James Harden are talking about Minnesota's defense after the game, and like, what what better kind of praise can you get, and what more of a swing from what we expected can you get than that, really? Yeah, and I mean, going back to the defense and the surprise and all that stuff, I think you know we deserve like credit for like surviving what was one of the worst <laughs> off seasons ever, right? I mean, just from a bare bones, there's there's no pick, there's no real big transactions, the whole front office turmoil, but um, they're doing this with the same guys. Like that's the thing that really gets me is like you're, you're, it's more impressive. I think sometimes it's really easy to go get a bunch of new players and bring them in. And we haven't watched those players as closely and like, Oh shit, I didn't know that player was as good. That's not what's going on here. These are just like, like, I think, I think of a guy like Malik Beasley who is also struggling offensively. He, I would say, um, you know, you're, you kind of wrote about this in your player grades a little bit, but he pretty much nuked the Wolves on Friday against the Nets. I mean, his he took some of the worst shots down the stretch. Um, I mean, he, he at least, you know, took them. Uh, it wasn't like... <laughs> He's Ant- not afraid to take them, that's for sure. Right, and, and and that's... But that's like a characteristic of guys you kind of want, right? Like the whole yeah. classic live by the three, die by the three. I mean, you kind of live by Malik and die by Malik sometimes. But um, yeah, I mean, he, he took some egregious shots last night and was one of the reasons they lost. But I also think of that like chase down block he had on Kevin Durant towards the end of the game too, where it's like I I don't think Malik still really knows what he's doing defensively. But if you at least watch him, like he's busting his ass, r- running through screens, calling out assignments on the backside, like he he's trying. And to to see Chris Finch get guys to just elevate their game, I mean, how many different articles and newsletters could you write about the D'Angelo Russell? experience this year right like the stats that and the stats back it up and even like from a national perspective you're kind of hearing guys give him a little more credit um but yeah i just i I think that's been more enjoyable for me it's just like we haven't gotten new ingredients it's the same ingredients that we had last year it's just chris finch 
is really, really good at cooking them up and kind of figuring out where to put these guys. Um, and getting them to buy in. That's yep, that's the yep. thing is I think that like with Cat and with, with D'Lo, they're so obviously you know the kind of guys that they don't trust the steam not that they didn't try defensively because i hate that narrative especially with cat because i thought sometimes he his problem was he tried too hard uh delo you know definitely had spells where he didn't try under saunders uh but like just getting them to buy in and and, and realize all it took was a game or two or three or four and all of a sudden it was like all right this shit works man like yep if we all buy in, this is going to keep working. And D'Angelo Russell is like the personification of this shit is working. Let's, you know, ratchet it up a notch and, and, and try 10% harder and then try 10% harder the next night. Like, he is genuinely good on defense. I don't care about defensive rating. It's a shit stat. Like, but I care about like what I see and what I had seen with D'Lo was a guy who was pretty willing to give up on on any given possession uh, and then try and get it back with a with a pull up three or with a with a nifty pass but like this is, his rotations are so good like he's always been a smart player offensively and and you know a witty kind of guy in the in the passing lanes as well but like every game i am in awe of how he's like quarterbacking the defense you've got vanderbilt and a and mcdaniels out there who do all the the do shit stuff where they you know finish the possession with the block or or grab the rebound or kind of get a hand up in someone's face but like delo is the the puppet master pulling those strings and, and it's really obvious to see and it's starting to get picked up by national guys and by you know big podcasts zach lowe it's it's got to the level where it's like this isn't a, a fleeting moment anymore. This is D'Angelo Russell might just be good on defense. Did as you, weird as that is to say. Did you see last night? I know you did. I just wanted I want you to nerd out a little bit since it's like you know five a.m. for you. Did you see <laughs> a couple of those spurts last night where he's like just straight on ball defense against James Harden? And yeah, like and correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, I might have had a glass or seven of wine, but like what like James Harden couldn't get by D'Angelo Russell. Like there was like three different times where D'Lo just kind of was like, I mean, I, I can't remember exactly how the play ended. I think maybe one or two of them got hardened to the free throw line because he got a damn near similar whistle last night to what Joel Embiid got against the Wolves. But I mean, I, I've just never seen Russell really accept the challenge of like, okay, this is an isolation. I'm just going to put my hands down and I'm just going to move my feet. I think that's like the biggest complaint about Russell the last, his first couple of years in Minnesota was just, he didn't seem like he even just wanted to move his feet. And it's like, dude, you have such long arms for a point guard. If you would just do the bare minimum, you would be like a, oh, like, you know, not even a good defender, not even an average, but you're not going to like just capsize the team's defense. Um, and that goes back into what you said about buying in. So I think sometimes we're, we're the, think about like every player's worst moments, right? Like when you think of Carl, his worst moments are when he's just bitching about fouls, laying on the ground, not getting back. Um, and it kind of like burns into your retinas. I think with Russell, the the worst moments are some of the shots he takes that are contested. And he's a good contested shot maker. But, you know, when they go in, it's like, no, 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 yes. But when, when they don't go in, it's like, Jesus Christ, that was abysmal. Um, but it's also, too, like I think about some of those times where, like, he, he he's in transition on defense. And, like, he doesn't make any effort whatsoever to, like, take a hard foul. Or he just really yeah. gives up layups. And I think that's why sometimes we're like, man, he is so piss poor defensively. 
But then you watch those moments against Harden or just like you said, the quarterbacking, he really is. And you hear this through the TV, but you also hear anyone who goes to a game that covers it. They say D'Angelo Russell just, and I mean this positively, he just never shuts up. He's constantly talking on the floor. He's constantly standing on the bench and talking. Um, he's really like a adopted being a leader, right? And he should be because he's making $30 million. It's a contract year for him. Um, so yeah, I think we just did about 32 minutes on what was the most surprising thing. But I just think it's really fun to watch this team. I never go into a game now thinking they're going to get blown out, which says a lot more about me and you than it does about the team probably. But I just think... <laughs> Without sounding really cliche, the whole the thing our dads told us that defense wins championships. Wolves aren't winning any championships, maybe for the rest of my life. But defense, you can play good defense for eighty two games. You cannot. I mean, we saw Steph Curry do it in Phoenix the other night. You can't always be offensively on your game. You just can't drop forty every night. Um, so if you can just have a baseline defense, it's we're going to bring this everywhere we go. We're going to bring it to Target Center forty one nights a year. Um, it makes it more enjoyable for the fans and it just increases your expectations and gives you a chance in every game. I mean, I'm, I try to not think about that losing streak, but since then, like th- that, I want to ask you this, cause we haven't talked about this yet. Like that Philly game after the Charlotte loss. And that was a, they look so shitty against Charlotte. Every year we've covered the wolves before that they would have gone into Philadelphia and just gotten murdered. Right. Like that you, you, yeah. I almost yeah. didn't even think about watching the game. Like there's no chance. They have no chance. And for them to toughen, toughen that game out is just kind of incredible. It's like the the Bucks win from earlier in the season. It's like, okay, they're going to go play the Bucks. They have no chance. And they just did it with defense. They did it with grit. And that's why it I don't... It was ironic that it ended on a defensive possession, a really good defensive possession. Like, it was fitting, not yep. ironic. Yep. It, was, it was fitting because, like, that's what the Wolves are at the moment is a team that plays good enough defense where their offense can straight by and keep them in a game. And and again, against Brooklyn in that last game, it, it's, it was a good example of why tough defense works in the NBA. Like, you go in there without Cat. Uh, I wrote about it in the in the player ratings. It, that, like, that's a scheduled loss, and it ends in a scheduled loss, but it's all the things in between the start of the game when, when I knew it was a scheduled loss and the end of a game when it was a scheduled loss was so encouraging even without Towns because with your best player out you can still play defense and you can still hang with these teams and, and Brooklyn are really really good and they ended up you know scraping over the line because they have Kevin Durant and he's a fucking basketball scoring genius but like they were in that game because they play defense and that's like you said they just don't get blown out anymore because they play defense even in the in the, even in their bad games they were they were bad on defense against Washington and they had to try and live by the offense and they lost pretty comfortably. I guess it was only, you know, whatever, seven, eight points, but it felt like a pretty comfortable loss. But when they bring it defensively and they're bringing it, you know, on 90% of the nights, uh, they're tough to beat. And that's all you can, uh, that's what a 500 team is. Like, I think a lot of the time people act like the sky is falling after a loss and I've been culpable of that as well, but like <laughs> thank five, you thank you five, thank you for admitting 500 it. teams lose you know like and i don't even think that i think they could be a you know game or two under 500 and that means you're going to lose 53 percent of the nights that you play and, so and you know just to touch on this since we're going to just i guess talk about every game that they've won because we're so excited but you know <laughs> it was also defense that won them the heat game right they gave up 39 yeah. points in the second half to the heat and they just i mean the miami heat right heat culture 
all that shit. And like, the Heat weren't sleepwalking through that game, man. Like they were, they might not have been as pumped as the Target Center crowd was, but like Jimmy Butler wants to bury the Timberwolves, and you know his his pulse kind of emanates through that team. So. Like, they wanted to win that game, man. And, and Joel Embiid wanted to win that game when he had 40 on his, in his first game back for weeks. Like, these aren't, you know, those games kind of like the end of last season when you point to them and you think, like, were they real? Because these teams are sleepwalking through these games. Like, the Miami Heat wanted to butcher the Wolves. And Joel Embiid, you know, kind of fucks up the Wolves every time he plays them. So, it was just... Both of those games, they might be two of my favorite wins, you know, since the Denver game 82. They might be, they probably are my favorite too, because that was just, you know, the fan base is is so electric as well when this team gets going on a run like that and and beats a team that the whole fan base kind of dislikes as a collective uh, for different reasons. But man, I just, I love when when this team and this fan base kind of really combines to like, become this rolling ball of excitement I, I just love it man well and i think let's not we let's not talk about defense anymore i don't even know if anyone's still listening to this pod at this point but <laughs> um it is one more thing i want to talk about from like a surprising standpoint and maybe it'll get into a lecture by you and i but um i just think going back to the grit or the mental toughness thing the, t- the timberwolves haven't had those things for as long as you and i can remember right like for as long as we've been covering the team um and for better or worse, I mean, like, if you don't have mental toughness or you don't have grit or whatever, you're basically it's over. It, it, well, it's just another way of kind of saying you're soft. Um, and I'm not necessarily saying any one player, it's just kind of the vibe. You and I are big vibe guys. Um, the vibe was just for years, like, you know, if, if you're playing up to a, a contender's level for a night, that contender will just be like, kind of like, you know, after a couple quarters, like, you like when a, a dog is kind of jumping at you and you just kind of like push it down or you just kind of like sit down that's all the wolves needed to just sit down like just kind of just pop them in the not even the mouth just pop them in the chest once and they'll, they'll go lay down they're done the wolves are LeBron's done LeBron's been doing that to the wolves for years LeBron's been cruising through three quarters of a game for years and then just like easily beating them in the fourth right yeah I mean a lot a lot of good teams and good players have used the first 36 minutes of a basketball game to just get their cardio in and then they'll go two or three minutes in the fourth pop the wolves in the in the chest once, maybe softly in the jaw, and it's over, and we're all disappointed. That's that's what's new about this team. And I know we're only 23 games in. Um, if you're listening to this and you watch every single game through the lens and the scar tissue of 30 years of Timberwolves dysfunction, I don't have anything fucking for you. That seems like a miserable way to live your life. <laughs> don't talk to me. But like, I think this team is really different because of the 30-minute rant we just did on defense. They have this new baseline of... They're not really – I mean, just say it. Like, say it because people respect you more than they respect my my basketball takes. They're not good offensively right now. Like, they're, they're, no, they're, they're not, they're not they're hitting not. shots. So they can't rely on just going into the Hawks game on Monday at home and just being like, yeah, you know, we'll probably get 85 combined from D'Lo, Towns, and Russell. That's not happening right now. This isn't that Towns-Edwards, you know, 84-point game in Phoenix a couple – or, you know, last season – they just have to bring their defense every night. It really is like blue collar, hard hat type shit. And that's why I think, you know, so they're 11 and 12. I think this is a good point to bring that up again. I think that's like a, that would equate to be like a 39 and a half wins. Uh, you know, if you just kind of extrapolated it out. Um, so, you know, prior to the loss in Brooklyn, right? They were 500. I mean, I think we sometimes get so caught up in like, 
a bad loss or like, you know, the Wizards game was frustrating, right? Because they had it and then they just kind of let go. As, as Dane says, they let go of the rope. Um, same with the Brooklyn game, right? Like they had a lead down the stretch. And I think I tweeted this out. Like they scored one basket in the final 525. So again, they kind of let go of the rope. But um, if you were to tell me like back in September that this team was going to be 500, I mean, that's a 41 win team. I don't think they're going to win 41 games. But if they even win 39 or 38, they're going to make the playoffs, whether you whether that's the playing game or the playoffs or whatever. But I mean, the West, this is something you and I and I think Jack Borman talked about, too, this summer. Like the West was way overinflated for what people thought. I mean, look at the Western standings right now. There's kind of like a hard cap of 10 teams. The Wolves just have to be better than five of those teams. And the Thunder lost by a million the other night. So I, I really think like. If you can pull yourself up and do the D'Lo stance of never too high, never too low, like it is, it is exciting to get amped after those Sixers wins or those Heat wins. But I think if you can also not get too bummed about hard-fought losses, I mean, not every loss is the same old Timberwolves. That's kind of where my point is, yeah. right? Like, yeah, that's what that's what I've been kind of my inner monologue has been telling me that every game because it's just it it, it isn't and. There's too many factors pointing in the direction that they are not like a, you know, 25 win team that's overperforming. They're just like a middle of the pack team that's playing like a middle of the pack team. And like I said, middle of the pack teams lose games. They lose games against the Brooklyn Nets. They lose them against the Wizards who are 14 and eight or something like. They pro- you know, they they probably lose them against the Hawks and and they have three game losing streaks, but they also. They beat the teams they should beat more often than they don't, and like that is the important thing. And like you said, when you look at the West, man, like I'm at the point, like you said, I'm still the scar tissue will never fade away until you know we get a uh, consistent run of winning. But like I'm scared that the Wolves will let this slip only because I think it is so there for the taking. And, and that, like that's fine. They just that's need to be fine. better than the king. They just need to be better than the Kings. Like. If, if the goal is to make the playing game, and it is, and I think they should be aiming a little higher than that, like a, like a you know ninth, eighth, seventh, maybe sixth seed. But if the goal is to be in the top ten, they just need to be better than the Kings. The Pelicans could kind of make some noise if Zion comes back this century. I don't know if he will. I don't even know if they're too far behind to do that. Um, but like, if you're better than the Kings and the Pelicans, which is not a high bar, like you can, Nas Reed could have jumped over this bar in his first season. It's not a high bar. Uh, then they're a playing team. So that, in- as long as they get to that, and I think they can be way better than that. Like the the expectations kind of seem like they're all, almost met already, unless a major collapse is coming. And, which, and if like I'm, I said, I am still scared of a little bit. And that's fine, right? Because they did have that that losing streak, and things seemed so dreary. And then they came back and they beat good teams in that winning streak. Um, I get that. I think I, I don't think I'm criticizing that. I'm just more so criticizing like Anthony. It's been a take for a while, but Anthony Edwards has nothing to do with David Kahn or Joe Smith <laughs> yeah. Yeah. or Tom Thibodeau or any of that stuff, right? Like some of these guys don't need to have the baggage that maybe you and I have as fans. So when they got blown out by Charlotte, I think I'm on the record of texting you this. Like, like I wasn't that upset about it. It was a bad loss. They looked like shit and they should have been criticized as such that night. But then it was like, you know what? Like this team might – they might go into Philly on the second night of a back-to-back and, like, 
fuck him up a little bit. And they did. Yeah. Uh, and it didn't happen the way maybe we thought, but they did it. Um, so I just – if if you watch the Wolves win a couple games or if they come in on Monday night against Atlanta and they look really good and they win and they're back to 12 and 12 and you tell me – you tweet at me like, well, do it in the playoffs. Like I'll, I'll wait till April. Like you're muted. Like I don't even – I don't see it anymore because it's just like what – that's not what this is about either, right? Like I'm not just closing my eyes and waiting four months to see if they're going to be, you know, upset the Warriors in the first round of the playoffs because they're not. But it it really is the first time – and again, too, if they go lose the next 10 games, we'll hop on a pod again and talk massive shit about them. But it really yeah, – and that's how it works. It really is like the first time you're seeing through 23 games, which is a fairly large sample size. I mean, like I said, we're more than a quarter of the way through the season, and the season's only going to get easier. I know we've talked about the December schedule, and it is a gauntlet. Um but then I think they wait to these Jan- wait to those January days, man. They're going to be sweet. As soon if this team can just hold up for through December, as soon like, as there's yeah. a chance they just cement that playoff playing spot in January. As soon and- as as soon as my New Year's Eve hangover wears off, I'm 33 now, so hangovers can take multiple days. But um, I think like January 3rd through like the 15th, like they have like two Thunder games, a Pelicans game. Like January, it does get easier, and then you have to expect that. The Wolves, under no circumstances, barring any injuries, knock on wood, will be tanking. So that last month of the schedule is like, who knows what the Denver Nuggets are going to look like, right? Like some of those teams yeah. might just be thrown in the towel as well. So um, I just think that this is the first time in a long time. You and I started covering this team kind of at the same time five, six years ago. Like it's they're not building like a house of cards. Like they're building like a – they're trying to build something like with a real – concrete foundation and you're seeing that now because the house of cards you could just like i said earlier you can you know blow on it and it'll fall over and that's the same old timberwolves this team has real foundation things that they're building the roster's still not great they still lack shooting you know i think sasha and gupta would like to make a couple deals and we'll see what happens come you know even what is it december 15th when more players are eligible to be traded um i think the wolves could maybe be low-key buyers um in terms of trying to add a piece uh because like i said their front court is still kind of thin and if they do lose a guy like towns to an injury for a while or if a delo they're pretty naked behind them over an extended period of time so yeah i i just it's been fun Have, can, can, I'm, I'm guessing people can get that by now right like it's just been a fun team to cover even when they were fucking bad for that week and a half it was like okay Who's gonna Who's gonna step up here? And then they not only did they just like end the losing streak, which is what the Wolves have always done, right? They lose eight in a row and then they win a game, but then they go lose four more. Like for them yeah. to rebound from a losing streak and then flip it into a winning streak and have the second or just winning streak at the time in the West was was pretty cool. So I don't know that that was my take on that. I just don't think you can. Don't be scared if the Wolves are fun. You know what I mean? Just enjoy it. I think yeah. this is a different yeah. level of fun. We we talk about new wolves versus old old wolves. I think this is a really different mentality. And obviously it starts with Patrick Beverly, but it it some of those other guys deserve credit too, right? Like this isn't all Patrick Beverly. Patrick Beverly went out the, in the Miami uh, Heat game. I was gonna say, I think the Pat Beverly, I've said it before and I and I'd kind of go back and forth on it, but I think the Pat Beverly culture changer is like slightly overblown and that's not to say that it isn't a thing it's definitely a thing D'Lo talking like you know a madman defensively is probably based on Beverly somewhat but like that it does a disservice to the rest of these guys who are 
who are doing things of their own volition, you know, to just blame it all on Pat Beverly, a 33-year-old kind of defensive player. Like, it, it does them a disservice because they all, everyone deserves credit and especially the coaching staff and, and the the quote-unquote big three, which is becoming less and less quote-unquote every time they win. Um, yeah, everyone deserves credit. And like you said, I think there was perfect what you said that, that they're building a foundation now and to reverse this back to the original point of the you know start of the conversation is that foundation being on defense is so so encouraging because like we knew that they could play offense and like I don't know if they're gonna have to get like some sort of therapist or genie or you know shaman to come in and, and help these guys shoot the fucking ball better but like we know they can play offense the fact that they they can survive defensively and build that foundation that you speak of on the defensive end just gives them so much room to grow. It's There's no hard ceiling anymore on this team where it's like, oh yeah, they're good or they're, they're average, but that's because they're the eighth best offense and but they can't play defense. Like they're the Portland Trailblazers, you know, they, they, can't, they can't play defense so it's never going to amount to anything and you see what's happening with the Blazers this season. I know they have some mitigating circumstances as well with, with with Dame, but like they're bad on or they're worse than the Wolves. I would say that they're, you know, on that level but probably a little bit worse. And especially while Dame has kind of got one foot out the door and been a little bit injured this season. But like they're so bad on defense that they just cannot survive offensively. And the and the Kings are the same. So like you flip that with the wolves and and eventually you feel like they're going to work it out often offensively and that's now yeah, but they've got their foundation set as a team that that really comes at you defensively and now they you know now it's now it's time to buy into that as a fan base as well which i think the majority are definitely you know fairly bought in yeah there's this guy i really like to follow on twitter it's uh it's at jake painting um, and back on November 26th, he had this really good tweet where it's like, it's just going to be so hard to win without Pat Beverly. And then they shouldn't tweet, man. And, <laughs> I'm pulling all the receipts. And then I, and then they went off and they Absolutely won. Absolutely publicly flamed me. <laughs> and then, and then they went off in the morning, dude. Then they went off and won the best game ever in that Philly game. So I'm with you. I, I, I think the Patrick Beverly thing is real because I, I said this before when we recorded, but I got to, you know, go to media day and like, he was already making an impact then. Um, and you see him on the sidelines. You see him standing up. You see him in the huddles, like even in street clothes, right? Like he, it's clearly an effect. But I think what you're saying, and that's why you're correct, is like some of these guys, like it can't just all be Patrick Beverly. Because when he went out, again, old wolves, new wolves, when he went out was in the Miami game. And that was the mm-hmm. most hyped I think I called it the biggest game in Timberwolves history since that, since they hosted game <laughs> Talk four. Talk about overreacting. No, but I think it's like sadly true, right? That was the biggest game because they have no big game because they've been so shitty since they like had game four of the playoffs at home against the Rockets. I mean, cause they, they don't play meaningful basketball games. Um, and they lost Pat Bev like what, five minutes into that game. And if it was all Patrick Beverly, the car, the house would have just blown down again. Um, and they, out gritted and out grinded the heat without Beverly. They did the same thing in Philadelphia. Um, even that Indiana game, which was like I was gonna say, they did the same thing in Indiana. Indiana have been playing pretty bad, but like that's a team that comes in and just wipes the floor with the Wolves, and have done it recently with that exact same roster. Like I, I came into the game still expecting that to be one of the ones that the Wolves just let slip by, and like they toughed it out. And it's 
like, yes, Pat Beverly has instilled some of that culture, but like these guys still need to go and do it. And now they're going and doing it without him. And, and that proves that whether he kind of injected it into their, into their bloodstream or not, they are living it. They're living in that Beverly kind of mentality. And I think that comes more from within them than it comes from Beverly kind of standing on the sidelines and, and barking orders. Well, and it's good too, right? Because Pat Bev is going to be a free agent this summer. Um, his value has been shown to be far more valuable to the Wolves than probably, you know, he would be to any other franchise. I mean, this team still does need him. Um, mm-hmm. And I think – I don't really want to talk about any of this right now because I think it might low-key be depressing or scary <laughs> to start talking about, you know, like, what are – like, are you going to pay D'Angelo Russell another four-year contract? You know, like, what's going to happen this yeah. summer? I think summer 2022 yeah. is going to give us a lot of content, but it's also going to give us a lot of ups and downs. Um, so I'm not ready yet to talk about what kind of deal a guy like Pat Bev can get who's older, and I don't know how well his body is going to hold up. Um, but again, that's kind of why it's exciting that this team with him on the sidelines can still have that same toughness on the court as they would if he was on the court with them. So, um, dude, I, let me, let me pivot quick. Let's talk. I want to, I want you to say, Wait, some- let's take a, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back because if we don't, we never will. All right. So we'll be back in a few seconds after some ad breaks. What's going on, people? Jake here, just popping in before the ad break to let you guys know there is a special holiday offer over at House and Drowse at the moment. You've heard me ramble on about the Substack. It's where I do all my writing, the video analysis, the extras and nose breakdowns. Uh, I really want to see as much people as I can over there, and that's why I'm kind of offering this special deal at the moment. Instead of $40 a year, you can get the, the paid version of the website for $20 a year, and instead of uh, $3.75 per month you can get it for $2.50 per month US dollars so head over there subscribe I hope to see you all over there in the comments section and we're really building a good community over there so thanks guys and yeah head over and subscribe to housandrowse.substack.com or check out the link in the bio thanks when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, we are back. You were about to unload a question on me. I could feel it in your voice. No, because you always bring, you know, we balance each other well. So like I said, I did call you out about that just horrendous tweet about how the Wolves would never win I'll again. Never forgive you but you also that. bring a lot of a lot of brevity to the situation. What's something that like again, for the 9 millionth time, Jake just sees the game with like better vision than I do. What's something that you've been disappointed in? 
Like maybe, what, what's something that like this season, like, uh, yeah. that hasn't, that's yeah. not gone the way I wanted it. Maybe it's, there's a few things and I don't think that's, you know, being kind of downtrodden because that's just what happens. Like I said, with 500 teams, there are disappointing aspects of a, of, of a 500 team. Uh, maybe it's recency bias, but I've just struggled to find Malik Beasley enjoyable this season. And I know that he has taken steps defensively, but kind of taking steps to be uh, average defender from a terrible one isn't something that I'm like on the rooftops shouting about. Uh, I know he's taking a few steps as a playmaker as well. Again, going from awful to to okay is is great, and it help does help the team. But like, the dude is paid to shoot the ball, and like I, I understand that he was in prison, man. And I and I, I don't un- <laughs> I don't understand that because I I was not in prison, but like. I imagine that is difficult to get back from and just kind of waltz into a season from a prison sentence. Like, that's understandable. But, like, the basketball, the hoop, you know, the the court doesn't have any fucking sympathy for if you're in shape or not. We saw it with Ricky Rubio. We saw it with Wancho. Like, it, it ruined... Doing that Adam Sandler movie ruined Wancho's NBA career. Like that's a fact. Because he that's a really he will never really good. Take. He will never play again. And I don't disagree. Like, he will never be in a rotation <laughs> again. And that's because he had a chance. And maybe it's not all because he did the movie. But like he came back out of shape. He flushed his season down the toilet, and now he sits on Boston's bench doing nothing. Probably talking to Ennis Freedom about politics. You know, like <laughs> it, it, that's the kind of shit that not being in shape does. Like, Malik Beasley will probably never be an NBA starter again unless he has a resurgence in the second half of this season, be it with the Timberwolves or any other team. Like, I I understand why he wasn't, but I just can't give him sympathy just like the ball wasn't giving him sympathy when it clanks off the rim. And when he plays like he did against the Brooklyn Nets, that was just like a... And an encompassing of, of what his season's been, and that's just pressing. Like he, I know Finch likes to use that word a lot that they were pressing early in the season, and now they've kind of, you know, let the game come to them a little bit more. But Malik's still pressing, and like last night he shot fourteen threes. I know Cat was out, but he shot fourteen threes, man, and hit four of them. Like he's he's meant to be the spark plug off the bench. He's not been a spark plug. He can't hit shots. He's got no juice off the dribble as a scorer. He, he's he's purely a shot maker. Chris Finch runs his best sets for Malik Beasley, and maybe that's another reason why. It's just because I love the X's and O's side of, of the Timbles and of, of basketball, and I watch Chris Finch just kind of laying out these masterpieces just for Malik Beasley to, to brick it. And I don't know. I, I know I'm going in on him, and I think that he's still a valuable piece because eventually I do feel like he's going to start hitting more shots, but like I'm scarred by Ricky Rubio and I'm scarred by Wancho that it's a lot harder to play yourself into shape when you're traveling every other day, you know, when you're barely practicing, when you're, when you're playing 25 minutes a night and, and it's sporadic kind of some nights he might play 15, other nights he might play 30. Like it's hard to just play yourself back into shape. Ricky Rubio needed a full off season and now look what he's doing with Cleveland. Like, I'm not sure that that he ever gets out of this funk, and I think the Wolves, if they want to make like sixth seed kind of noise, I think he needs to get out of this 
funk, and he keeps breaking it for one game. He hits six out of eight threes, and it's like, all right, Malik Beasley's back. There was a three-game stretch, I feel like, where I might have even tweeted, like, Malik Beasley's all the way back. But he's not because he's out of shape still. Or he wasn't in shape, and, and it, he was out of rhythm. And rhythm might be harder to get than, than fitness. It's it's crazy because all great points. Um, I, I, I don't think the pandemic, not not anything specific about it, but like, I don't think the whole pandemic and everything we've gone through over the last almost two years um, has like, again, this is all about basketball. So just hear me out. But I don't think it affected anyone weirder than like Malik, right? Because when we were all like quarantined back in like summer of 2020, and we were just shut down at home. I remember like daily Malik posts of him working out 12 <laughs> yeah. times a day, like somehow in between bicep curls, he was just doing more bicep curls. And he has a home gym and he has like a court. A lot of these guys do. They have houses with half basketball courts at their place so they can get shots up. Um, and he was jacked. I mean, he, I was too. I built a gym in my garage. Well, like I, I put on like 10 kilos, so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it was like all I could do was just work out. I couldn't even like things were closed. Um, and then, you know, we kind of like he had this whole legal situation and then he was thrown in prison and it affected his whole offseason again. Um, and I know this, again, from either talking to people or all seeing him. Um, when he got out of prison, I think he might have been on like kind of, you know, a little loose. Like, I think, you know, what I mean, like he was I think he, free. I think he, he looked got, it as well. Like. Right. I mean, you could see alcohol in his cheeks basically <laughs> I mean, he just looked a little puffier like he looked like he got stung by a bee um and again he i think he's been for the most part behaved since he got out i think he did learn some lessons you're kind of seeing a little maturity but yeah when you come into this when you enter any race right like we always talk about the season is a marathon if you show up to the starting gates and you're just not in as you haven't trained as well as everyone around you or you're not in as good a shape um it's going to negatively affect you I mean, just look at any statistic at any advanced level you want. He's having, as we talked about D'Lo, like he's having a really down year. He's taking more threes, I think, per 36 than any year in his career. He's shooting the worst three-point percentage since he was a rookie. Um, he doesn't get to the line at all. Mm -hmm. Like I think, you know, he averages like one free throw game. Um, and while his, well, I still think he's been trying on defense – there's various cases to be made that, you know, just trying isn't always the best thing, right? Like Trying you on defense know. and being a little bit better as a playmaker would be awesome if he was also hitting 40% of the eight threes he shoots tonight. Like, that's kind of where right, I'm at. Right. Like, at the end of the day, your bread is buttered by hitting threes. And right now, your bread tastes like shit, and I want better bread. <laughs> like. and, well, and I think the problem with him is, is that, you know, he's not – he's the fourth kind of, in you know – you can argue semantics here with Jaden or other guys or Nas, but or even Vando, like he's kind of the fourth best player, right? Or at least we thought so. Like it's the big three with Cat, D'Lo, and Ant, and then at least from a salary standpoint, like it's then it's Malik, and he's just not giving them anything close to what his salary is. And it's like, man, if you can't what Jake just said, like hit forty percent of your threes. And go back to what I said about, you know, like, do the Wolves maybe make a fun little move to try to go for it a little bit, right? Like, go for the sixth seed, I mean. Um, it, it, it probably comes at the expense of Malik, right? Because you can... But what do you get I mean, for I, him I, now? I, That's the problem. It's not only has he is he not playing well, he's tanked his value. 
because he's on what 14 million a year something like that like no one's taking that on unless he can prove at least for some sort of like 10 game stretch that he's not kind of not washed that's a stupid word but like that he's just completely in a funk that someone's going to be paying for 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 the next two seasons yeah but like you're you know like some I think teams I don't can know convince exactly themselves what... that they he his sample size of hitting threes is is massive, like relatively massive. Well, and the... this is this this is lazy by me, but I don't know exactly what the post like I don't know what happened this morning or what found what they found out. But in the Mavericks game on Friday night, I think they lost to the Pelicans. It was really bad, and I think Tim Hardaway Jr. went down with like a non-contact injury. I have not looked this up and see how serious or not serious it is, but like. Let's just say he was out for a while. Like the Mavs would take Malik Beasley. Like yeah. I, I just think that there's teams that would like. I mean, dude, the New York Knicks gave Evan Fournier like eighty five million dollars. So if you're going to tell me that some team wouldn't take a year and a half of Malik, yeah, right. Look, even right, with the yeah. prison stuff, like I think they would. So, but you, but you make a good. But point. But you get less like, for him. He, That's even if they're taking him. If you, you don't want to just hand him like hand him off to someone because you don't want him. You want him. Like he was being discussed as a guy who was in Malik, in Ben Simmons' trades as like an actual real life piece that they would want. Right. Like, yeah, like yeah. No, that's he's, good. He's passed that until he can prove that he's that again. And I know that maybe those trades were pipe dreams, but like he he's a guy that if you're getting rid of him right now, it's not a straight salary dump, but it's more of like a a swap for someone who's playing the way he is, and that's probably not even worth doing because. You know that then you have to integrate a new guy and 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 getting him up to date with the playbook and stuff. Like you, you, at that point, you rather just hope Malik Beasley figures it out himself. And I again, I have hope that he will. Maybe it's next season. Maybe it's somehow through this season because he can shoot the ball. Like he didn't forget how to shoot. He just like like I said, uh, understandable circumstances. You know, partly and maybe more than partly his fault to begin with. But like he it's hard to play yourself back into shape. And I just keep going back to the Rubio thing. Who's just playing so well in Cleveland. And I don't think it's just the waters of Lake Minnetonka that, that have Rubio playing badly. It was, it was the fact that he was out of shape as well. And it took him a whole season to get back into shape. And, and bees is a hard worker. I'll give him that. Like, like do you like, yeah, you said, that, he, that, that, he that's... wants to be in shape as much as we want him to be in shape. So like if anyone's and going that's to you do buy it, him. it would, it would probably be him. Yeah, and that's why you, you know, if you're glass half full versus glass half empty, that's why you buy Malik stock, right? Because you, he does have that work ethic, right? He does, he is a gym rat. Um, it's just not falling. But yeah, I think, I think what we're trying to say is, is that, you know, we've talked about D'Lo having an off year shooting, but he's like the team's, at least statistically, like best defender, right? Yeah. Like Ant might not mean like again like do something something else else you can't hit like those guys do other things so you can stomach them not hitting shots i need i want d-lo to hit shots like it would be awesome if d-lo could start hitting shots and there's been probably two or three games where it's like they probably win if he just hits a few more shots the wizards one comes to mind immediately and there was one other one in the losing streak where it was like man this is just tough to to handle if D'Lo is going to bridge shots, but like he's also, you know, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it'd be up over seven assists a game, and like we said, very good defensively. Anthony Edwards has been missing a lot of threes lately, and and is very very streaky as a three as a three point shooter. But like, you know, I don't have to sit here and tell you what Anthony Edwards does in terms of scoring in other ways, and in terms of kind of building up the the 
the crowd and and willing teams to to wins when he's when he's on. So Malik doesn't do any of those things, and that's fine because he's a shooter. But like, is he at the, is, at the moment? Is is there any like rapid fire? Because I was thinking about this this morning, and it's I almost didn't want to bring it up because I'm going to sound like such a homer, but. I don't know if there's anything else outside of Malik. That was the only thing I wrote down. That's been like truly disappointing. Yeah, apart from the shooting I mean, I could, as a whole, but like that yeah, kind yeah, of that's, that's like true, when, that's when like it's kind of just D'Lo and, and Malik. You know, like they're the two guys that are, that take they'd take what forty percent of Minnesota's threes, and they're both hitting well below career averages. So. It's kind of those two not being able to hit hit shots, and, and that again blends itself in with the offense not very being very good, um, which is another disappointing thing. But if they started hitting shots, it'd probably be good. Like it's all, but like, it's all but just you mean, like, one big ball of kind of confusing at the moment. Even even like Jaden, who had a really rough start to the season, I thought he's rebounded nicely. Yeah. Um, and I, I I do I know I have an you know an affection for Jaden McDaniel's, but I also <laughs> a think public, no a public player. <laughs> uh, yeah there's a restraining order I, they didn't like when i sent him a wedding invite um but there's there's i don't think there's any player on the team who's in more of a difficult situation than him in terms of like i think on another team right like if he was on the pacers or something he would have a much higher usage rate or like if he was like if Jaden mcdaniels was on the thunder he would probably have as many opportunities as like lou dord yeah. right like an anointing so guys when, so early in their, their careers is, is always you know fraught with danger just because like well, so the second uh, what is it sophomore slump is a real fucking thing man like it's got a name because it's a thing that that when you've been in the nba for a year especially late round draft picks uh the team's trying to figure you out a little bit like teams teams flop a little bit more because he's a bit handsy on defense and teams close out that one two percent harder on his corner threes because they know he can hit him and, and none of that was present in his rookie season and they like young guys figure that out, and I, like you said, I think he started to figure it out. And I think the benching was was more encouraging than the word benching suggests. It was just kind of like a fresh start against you know reserve players more often than not, and a little bit more leeway to score and to do a little bit of stuff off the dribble, uh, and that helped kind of get his shot back. He started rebounding a bit harder. The, the refs seem to not call as many fouls on him because he's not defending James Harden. He's defending. Tim Hardaway Jr., you know, like, so I think all of the things are pointing upwards. I hope that his illness isn't too bad because we've seen a few guys, Nick Claxton for the next Nets comes to mind, who've had long-ass illnesses this year. Um, Robert Williams from the the Celtics as well had a pretty long illness, so it's going around. If if Jaden loses a bunch of weight, he's going to weigh negative pounds. So that would be a, a, a disappointing thing. But yeah, I just, going back to that rapid fire thing, Shooting, great point. I think Malik is, I think, the most disappointing topic of the season so far. Um, I mean, rapid fire things like Jordan McLaughlin, Carl- Jordan McLaughlin being unplayable uh, rather than just like that kind of stingy backup third string point guard that we expected who who might get five or ten minutes and give you a boost. That's been disappointing because I've really disliked the McLaughlin minutes all season long. And he seems like one of the three most likable players on the team. Right, and he's got that um, glorious and, beard, man. I just want him to succeed. <laughs> and he just he just really seems like a good kid. 
Um, so it's kind of, I mean, this is why I'm a weak ass analyst and not a professional, but like, it's hard sometimes to criticize him, but like, I just, I was never on the McLaughlin hive. Like I just never thought he was a real rotation player in the NBA. And I think that's just take it. He gives you good minutes. You take it and you kind of don't expect it because he was in the G league and whatever for a long time. And there's a reason for that. And, but, but his, his floundering, right. Did lead to, you know, the introduction of Leandro Balmero, who defensively has been mm-hmm. pretty much everything we thought. Um, again, we're just picking at nits, but like the cat thing, he talk, has talk to me on the cat thing because that's I I that that slipped my mind and that has given me the fucking irrits all season, worse than yeah, e- worse mean, than I, ever. It just I just I don't we don't want to do a four hour podcast. No, um, it's actually I like, think Carl the sun is rising out my window. So <laughs> this, okay, oh cool, we got all day. <laughs> I think I mean I think this probably uh, equals out too. Like if you look at the stats, but. Carl has been their best offensive player, and Carl Anthony Towns is still, no matter what we think of Ant, right? Like, Carl Anthony Towns is still the team's best player. Easily. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I've just struggled with sometimes, because I'm a big leadership nerd or management nerd or whatever, like, I've just struggled with his actions sometimes. I think he does, as as I do, I think, like, I think he holds himself to the level of Jokic, of Embiid. I think he thinks of himself as one of those upper echelon players, which is fine. But he, I think he also looks around and he sees like the whistle that Joel Embiid got yeah. against the Wolves compared to what he gets. Man, so, like, I would be, I, I would have been injected in three minutes in that game if I was him. Like I well, understand why I'm, he's shitty. I, I totally understand it. I think all Wolves fans are like, we get it, Cat. Like you get a shit, yes, you yes, get a shitty yes. whistle, but like you just need to handle it better because, like. It, I don't know how much introspection it takes because I'm not in that position, but like you're getting these whistles, not de- not getting them because of the way you're acting. It's so blatantly obvious that like they have it out for you and maybe that's unfair and I don't mean it in a conspiracy kind of way, but it's just like human nature that if you act like a dick to me, I'm going to act like a dick to you in whatever position of power I hold over you. And they hold the whistle in their hand, and you're being a dick every night. You're clapping the the fans, you know. You're you're kind of cheering on the fans when they're when they're chanting "refs, you suck." And like that's funny shit, man. I sit at home and I laugh at that, but like that's major disrespect to the guys who are blowing the whistle. And 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 it and it doesn't help like the, his teammates, right? Like again, Conley Towns at like 25 has been through more in the last like 18 months than I've been through in 33 years. Yep. So I get it, but it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like being like, "Hey, dude, I understand why you drink so much on the weekend, but you're always hung over the next day." Like it, it never, you know, <laughs> and then you never you complain like, man, th- that you're so hung over, right? And then you complain that you're hung over. It's like you know, man, like I get why you started doing mimosas at nine a.m. and you drank till eleven p.m. Do you though? But then Speaking you puked on my shoes. Do you know that? Yeah, I actually that I'm bringing up what happened last <laughs> weekend. Um, so it's just like I get why you do it, but it just back to like the introspective self self awareness like it doesn't lead to anything right it like never has one of the cooler moments of the season and i love this shit right like i love to just be quiet and then just come on your podcast and yell at people who i don't like um on twitter like remember when remember when they beat the bucks up until like the, the 48 hours before that i, I know Britt robson was pretty hard on de- deservedly so but like 
that was another one of those points before the Bucks game where I think Carl had been really, really just flamboyant in how he was arguing calls and stuff leading up to it. And people were talking about how he needs to shut up and just play basketball kind of thing and not complain about calls. And then they beat the Bucks. And remember his post-game interview where he was kind of like, he basically was like, I read the tweets. Like I heard everyone what they said. Yeah. And I just came here and put my head down and shut everyone up. And it's like, yes, yes, that's what we want. <laughs> like shut us up. You know, like make people like just put your head down. Don't complain. I mean, he still probably gets the worst whistle on the team. And I think he saw that it didn't change when he stopped complaining. But like years of ingrained kind of complaints. And it's the way he tries to draw fouls. He's just he doesn't have the dark arts down in the way that he thinks he does. And in the way that Jokic and Embiid and Chris Paul and like these guys do it really well, and I get that it's annoying. We watched James Harden flop his way to sixteen free throws last night, um, but Cat just doesn't do it well. He's so bad at flopping, and that's a skill in the NBA. And he is just—it's his worst skill, and he—he he and- wants it to be something to get him ten free throws a night. But he would get ten free throws a night if he just kept those arms down and the head, you know, from jerking back and and just went to the rim because he when he does that he does get fouls when he doesn't play for a foul that's when he gets it and and we can go round and round but like i said i think we both agree that it'd be great if his antics would cool but we also understand why his antics exist at least in you know internally in his brain my thing just kind of always goes back to i don't have like a favorite player i mean i love amp but i do love carl like carl has also been around much longer and kept this ship at least at remote surface level when they should have been 5,000 meters under the sea. But um, I just don't think what he does when he is upset inspires teammates. Mm-hmm. And that's like a really nerdy thing that I'm no, you, really no, all you, about. You're spot on. Uh, because is, it's that's why it's so much more frustrating this season is because it's really obvious that the rest of the guys – even if it's not complaining, but like they're so bought into like the leadership and the camaraderie aspect of the team. And that's one of the reasons why it's working so well. And he just seems kind of like removed from that for big parts of games because he's, he's got the refs in his head or he's got six fouls because he he's trying to get one back on his, on his opponent because they fouled him and didn't get a call. So he goes that little bit harder and he fouls them. And like, like it's, it's like a blatant picture when the team is on the floor, toughing out big wins, and he's sitting twenty five feet away on the bench. That it's like, there it is in one picture. Like this is what happens when you don't keep your tool. And I get that it's hard to keep your tool. Like I'm a guy who gets teched a lot when I play, but like, <laughs> you know, so I get it. Like, but it's like that's the but- picture right there. It's like you're on the sidelines standing there watching and they're toughing out a win without you. But just when when we know that if you're out there they could still get this win. Probably easier. But like we just want you to be out there. But you know, getting ten bad whistles and screaming and making that, that classic cat face and egging on the fans, like that's just not it's the hangover thing, right? It's just it's it's just not going to lead to things you feel good about. I mean Cat gets the worst whistle on the team, but Ant gets a pretty bad whistle too. It's it's much improved from his rookie season, but there's a lot of times he gets to the lane, he doesn't get a call. Mm-hmm. And he might bitch for a second, but he's back on defense. But his thing of like, if I'm if it's just not going well for me, I'm not getting the shots I want, 
he just locks in on a possession, gets a steal. I mean, I think back to that Torian Prince play or that that alley-oop to, to Ant against the Pacers where they got that – I think Ant blocked the shot. The ball kind of got thrown around. And then he – go back and watch this. He just sprinted yeah. by TJ McConnell <laughs> – because he he could sniff it. He's like, I'm gonna I'm going to fucking change the the energy of this game, and he did it. I mean that that one handed alley oop that he caught was pretty much a game changer. It's like when he was getting a tough whistle and there was some Jimmy Butler bullshit against the Heat. He was like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna back cut and I'm gonna. If your kids are in the car, turn this down. I'm gonna put my nuts in someone's face and I'm gonna dunk on him. And that changed the, – the, the, the dunk didn't count, but it changed the whole energy of the game. And I want Carl to – I mean, Dane says this all the time. No center in the league can guard Carl. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So rather than complain and bitch, like get a guy out at the three-point line, pump fake because you're such a good shooter, get to the lane and yam on someone. You know what I mean? Like you're not going to get the crowd – you're not going to get your teammates energized by getting a whistle and getting to the free throw line. You're going to get the crowd energized by – and you know gain your teammates' trust by making a play that just really – kind of says, I'm here. I'm not listening to the bullshit. I don't care if things aren't going my way. I'm going to just take the game over by myself. And Carl has had those moments this year. Um, but I just, going back to the disappointing thing, I think if he would have more of those moments, if he had more ant spurts, this team would, you know, really feed off that. Because again, he is their best player still. So if their best player could also be their best leader, I think that elevates this whole construction of a concrete house up another level so that was it i also just wanted to say leandro balmero can't shoot that was my other disappointing like his yeah, his does. offense is and so he, bad yeah, i really thought i don't expect kind much of okay like not good but like no 33 percent kind of bad but it's like zero percent kind of bad well, he he's he's 23 games into a rookie season i'm not talking yeah well he's, and he's more like three games into a rookie season right so i think i mean again it's he didn't have a summer league because of the Olympics. He really should. I remember I when Dane tweeted this this summer, he was like, Balmero's going to live in Des Moines, Iowa. I was like, you're a psychopath. <laughs> nope, he was actually right. Like, Balmero should be getting his just every minute he can down in Iowa. But because of injuries and because Jordan McLaughlin is probably not good, he's had to play. And his defense has been better than I thought. So that's a plus. But his offense has been worse than I thought. I mean, he's just... He he's creative. Uh, he kind of plays like me. Like you know, he's got like, tr- you know, oh, he wears number nine. He's got like ounces of Ricky Rubio in him, but he just has no offensive game. So I'm I'm really excited to see what a full off season does. He is going to be a little slight prediction. He is going to be the Jaden McDaniel's summer league star of 2022. Um, they're going to feed him the ball next summer in Vegas, and hopefully that kind of turns his offense around a little bit. Because I do. I mean, do you? Keep it really short, but do you see like a good player in there? Yeah, I know you've watched a lot and more. You know, of him I stand. Like, you know, I stand, Leo. I think he's a good player. Okay, good. I think, and okay. even offensively, like just as a guy who knows how to like play basketball, I think is is a, a trait that that is good for a guy like him. And and Jordan McLaughlin knows that too. But he's got the size to play defense as well, and the size he's been so good rebounding as well, which is like really encouraging. I think that's I think Finch really likes that because. The team just needs all the help they can get always rebounding the ball. So, yeah, I do think – I think you're right. There's a lot of growth offensively that can be there, and you watch him in Spain, and he was just – he was never, like, 
this overwhelming offensive guy, but he was definitely a guy who who set the table really well, can throw some crazy passes and can hit some shots off the dribble in the mid-range and as a catch-and-shoot three kind of guy. So I think he's he's definitely feeling out the NBA and he's he's small, like he's tall and lanky, but like he, he's underdeveloped for an NBA player. So I, I do think he's well, one of those guys that's just going to take a little bit of time to, to find his feet. And again, I, I just think his offense sucks, but I, that's not really a criticism of him as the player because if if you're a rookie and he was you know a low or end of the first round rookie, um, all you really want for those guys to do is just buy into their role. Yeah, just do um, one thing. And show me one thing for now. And I mean, uh, Vando and well, I guess Vando, Josh, and Jaden, but like he's pretty much the team's fourth best defender already. And like you said, he's played like three games. Yeah. So I mean, they that Brooklyn. They they relied on him a lot to just kind of be the Jordan McLaughlin role of just bring the ball up the he court. Played twenty five minutes, setup. man. Like that's a big, you know, chunk of faith from Finch in a in a game that they definitely could have won against a really good team. Like I don't think he's given he's well, not given getting charity minutes right now. Like he's getting real life faith minutes. Yeah, I mean, and they they Finch puts him, you know, just wants him to pick up full court, and he turns guys and kind of just slows down a team's offense. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a couple possessions too. I was really glued into that game against the Nets. I don't know why. Um, I think it's because we put our Christmas tree up. But uh, so was all, I was all happy. But I mean, Leo was in, was guarding James. Like he was in James Harden's crotch more than an independent contractor. Like he was really up in there, giving Harden the business. So I thought that was really impressive. But I just wanted to mention that. Yeah, I really thought that he could like shoot a jump shot. Well, he was and knocking he, them down in Iowa as well. He hit like six of nine in the first game, then he hit like five in the next game, and I think he had like a really bad shooting night overall before he left and came back to the big team. But like, I think it's like he's shooting mechanics of I, I, I like to it. call him the, the frog in a blender, but like <laughs> he he is confident in his mechanics but i think right now he's not confident just in his offense at all against like bigger stronger quicker guys so i expect it to come along a little bit if he keeps getting minutes because it was the same thing for barcelona that he was like really slow to begin the season and then once he started to to get confidence in in his role and like a, a little bit more leeway from the coach where it's like if i miss three threes here i'm not going to get yanked for the rest of the game um he started to shoot better and do everything better. So I kind of hope they start giving him, or they keep giving him minutes, but then it's kind of like, well, this team's not tanking anymore. So if he's playing terribly, if he starts playing terribly, like he needs to be removed from the from the rotation kind of expeditiously. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a tightrope that he's walking at the moment. Um, Man. I've had a lot of fun. I've missed yeah, you. Yeah, so let's let's we need let's. To end this. I am so tired. No, let's spin it. Let's spin it. Um, yeah, let's spin it. <laughs> They're eleven and twelve. It is Sunday morning for Jake, and the sun is rising. Um, what are you most amped for over these next? I got to do the math. What is it? Like fifty nine games. What are you the most excited for? Uh, just like I mentioned before, like just more win streaks or like you know sets of games that they win more than they lose and just being a part of like this dormant franchise and and fan base because that's you know that's what it should all be about for all of us i think like we all do the the analyst shit and the you know twitter stuff that's not like just interacting and just being straight fanboys but like i enjoy being a fanboy and 
100%. Like, when they're winning more games than they're losing, this franchise and, and Twitter fan base and, you know, people that that I've met from all over the world are really, really fun when they're just hyped for the team. And, and I find that super exciting and, and it just kind of makes every day, you know, a little bit better. That's been That's been the best... I mean, this has nothing to do with the Timberwolves, right? That's been the best aspect it's december 4th for me of these first six seven weeks is that especially after how the rosas thing went down i mean i don't think you could i mean with the preseason expectations and all that stuff and was was how they finished the season real and now you just got rid of your president and you have this new ownership like it was kind of a dark time um but these last seven weeks i mean like that miami heat game um, shout out to our guy Jordan Die, like getting warned <laughs> sitting courtside. Like, hey, you're if really you're listening, to- Jordan, you are the dart man. The dart. Yeah, Jordan, send us some clothes, but also to you're the goat. Um, like that was the the this fan base, and we've been saying this for years. Like it, it's it's dormant. That's there's no better way to put it. Like there are a lot of people that really enjoy hoops and also are knowledgeable about hoops. Um, and you see it on a nightly basis, and that's why you know sometimes it is okay to just be super pissed off on a night when they blow a game to the Wizards that maybe you thought they should have won. Um, my whole criticism is more just like, if you wake up the next day, just be like, you know what, though? They're 500. Like, this 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 team, I think, is more real than anything we've really ever seen. I think it's even more sustainable. Well, this isn't a take, is it? Like, this is more sustainable in my eyes than any of the Tibbs stuff. Yeah. Because that was just, you know, sprinting with no real plan and burning up resources as fast as you could, like, that proved to not be sustainable, whether that was a Tibbs effect or the Butler thing or whatever, or the dynamics. Like, I think you could see this team have a lot of these same players two years from now and just be a better version of what they are now. So I think if I can say what I expect, like they're 11 and 12, if they're 20, like just double it. If they're 22 and 24, the next time we do like the half season report or whatever, I think I'd be like, really excited jacked and and i'll but and I'll that's definitely not that's do not the podcast at an earlier time so i can be more jacked i'm sorry if my energy <laughs> that, has been low but like no we're almost we're almost to the finish line but you know what i mean like 22 and 24 is probably like the eight seed in the west and again this december schedule as we've talked about ad nauseum is just is so brutal but we had talked if about in january it, though, right? like the the position they can be in if they like split their games through the rest of december like that's a possibility, and that would be massive. Like then, six seed is a is a chance if they like, you know, can beat the the Hawks the next game and kind of you know beat a couple of teams that maybe they shouldn't beat Utah once, uh, beat Denver. Like then things start to look real rosy. And and no and you know the Nuggets have had more injuries I think than like the Western Conference combined, but some of those injuries are like end of season stuff. Yeah. So, like, we talked about the beginning of January, but, like, hell, February, dude, they go Nuggets, Pistons, Pistons, Kings, Kings, Bulls, Pacers, Hornets, Raptors, Grizzlies. Like, none of those teams are that good. Mm. The Bulls. The Bulls are really good. That's why I de-emphasize them. But, like, if they can just, as Dane put it, hold on to the rope and just tread water for the rest of 2021 and be around 500, maybe it's the 9 seed. Hell, maybe it's the 10 seed. Like, like you said, they just got to be better than the Kings. Because the Spurs aren't good, the Pelicans are abysmal, and the Rockets and Thunder at some point are just going to shut down guys, and they're not going to try to win games. So a playoff basketball is still very much, I mean, it's 
I think I expect it more than you did yeah. in September, yeah. right? I like, expect playing basketball play in basketball one hundred percent. I'll be severely disappointed if they end up the eleventh seed at this point. If, if, and I think we said this to begin the season. Like, if they're not in the top ten as the season ends, people are going to lose their jobs, rightfully so. And people are going to there's going to be some tough decisions about long term, you know, stability for some of these more veteran players. So I'm more bullish on them. Not just making the playing game. I mean, I guess the playing game is the seven and eight seed as well. But I don't think there was any chance in my mind about flirting with the six seed uh, around my birthday in October. <laughs> um, and now I think it's it's you know as you see the West between Denver and like you said Portland and the Lakers are abysmal. Like there's a real chance for them to just tread water December and then really come out firing maybe at full health when they get Bev back uh, January February and really kind of string together some wins and and maybe the maybe the old wolves flip the calendar and they go lose those two games to the thunder and we're just like jesus christ but for now i think you can be really optimistic about kind of the long-term effect of this team while the short term is i just want to close my eyes and get through december man i know you want to close your eyes and go to bed but i just want to close (laughs) my eyes and get through december because the schedule doesn't get any easier on monday uh with the hawks but three home games coming up so maybe they can kind of turn it around yeah, and I think that is a good stamp to put on the quarter season report. Um, always love having you on. Um, you are the, like I said, the vibe master, and and this season's been good vibes and the occasional bad vibe, but just a vibey, a vibey season. So obviously, you know, check out Kyle on Twitter. I'm sure you follow Kyle on Twitter if you're here. Um, did put out one of the greatest tweets of all time after that Miami game. Uh and oh that, the, the one with the, the one with the the heat in the lot yeah in the, waiting for in the waiting for anthony edwards's <laughs> uh autograph which is a goated uh tweet so obviously go follow kyle on uh, kyle on twitter i am you know losing my mind five I'm losing my am right now marbles at this point but yeah um in australia go follow kyle on twitter kane supers obviously you read kane supers if you're here and you don't what's wrong with you, you you're stupider than me being up at 528 doing a podcast so go there and then yeah, and we'll, follow me we'll at, do this uh let's do this again at at, at the half point too yeah. i know i just interrupted you you have the best twitter account as well but <laughs> let's do this let's do these quarter reports too because i think they're kind of fun to yeah i think it's fun stock. to do a yeah take stock and just kind of do a reflection point but go back at <laughs> jake painting yes and obviously house and grounds there'll be a little insert that you would have already heard by this stage um, just before the ads. So yeah, house and drowse at substack, house and drowse dot substack dot com, not dot au. See, I'm losing my mind because it's, that's an Australian thing. So just house and drowse dot substack dot com. Christmas bonus. You can get everything for pretty much half price if you sign up in December. So I'm having a lot of fun over there where we're building a little community and I'm enjoying it. So go and follow that. Go and follow Kyle. Go and do all the good stuff. Kyle, thank you for coming on and Thank you for getting up early over there, even though it is a little bit earlier over here for me. Appreciate you. Go Wolves.